in the morning. When you want the news, you need the front page every hour on the press box. Nothing's writing on this except the uh, First Amendment, the Constitution, freedom of the press, and maybe the future of the country. Not that any of that matters. And now, the news. Fresno State beat Boise State last night in Boise. And the Broncos are now on the outside of the NCAA tournament with a very small margin for error, if any margin for error, to try to get into the NCAA tournament. This was one of the makeup games, like UNLV will play tonight against San Diego State. The Mountain West added uh, about a week ago. So, what do you make of Boise State losing to Fresno State? Bad optics, man. Outscored 9-1 to down the stretch, I believe. They were up comfortably, and they kind of panicked. I think, you know, they started jacking a bunch of threes, and I just they, they probably got it in their heads. Because, again, we talked to Dutcher about playing UNLV tonight and, and all these games being played with teams either in or on the bubble, and I guarantee Boise heard that. No matter what you say to kids, they read, they know, and they probably heard, well, you better not lose this game, man. You'd be knocked out the bubble. So... Fresno starts making a little comeback, and all of a sudden, Boise's doing nothing but taking step-back threes, and I think they panicked. I think Leon Rice said that afterwards. They, they got undisciplined and panicked, so, you know, should it knock them off the bubble? I'm not sure, but it probably did, and as Dutcher said, that's the reality of this tournament when it comes to Power Fives against Mountain West teams, so, yeah, I mean, they, they have to come here next week thinking they need to win the uh, tournament to go. I, I believe that now. Uh, it should absolutely knock them off the, the bubble because Fresno State is awful. Like, I have zero sympathy for Boise State losing to a terrible Fresno State team. That was, again, last night, Fresno State beating Boise State was the first time that one of the Mountain West schools not named UNLV or Nevada beat one of the top uh, four teams in this conference. Colorado State, Utah State... Boise State and San Diego State, they had all swept through New Mexico, San Jose State, Air Force, Wyoming, and Fresno State until last night. All those teams are awful, and they couldn't beat Fresno State. You deserve to be out of the NCAA tournament. You do not deserve to be in the NCAA tournament if you're playing with your tournament lives on the line and you lose a home game to an awful Fresno State team. Next question. UNLV hosts San Diego State, 6 p.m. tonight, CBS Sports Network. The Aztecs will clinch the Mountain West regular season title if they win. How good of a chance do you think UNLV has to win this game? Oh, I think they do. I mean, if the team that beat Utah State shows up, then they have a really good chance, I think. I, you just, you know, with UNLV, you don't know what team's showing up. But I think, as Dutcher said, if they make shots, if it's one of those nights, you know, you've talked about it in, in a lot of your briefs and everything. There are nights where they can make 11 or 12 threes. And if it happens to be, for whatever reason, one of those nights, they absolutely can win the game. Uh, the line, I believe, is still 10 and a half. Um, I don't bet, but if I was doing that, I'd take the points um, at 10 and a half. I think it's going to be close. And yeah, they got to shoot well, obviously. I mean, that, that's a simplistic way to look at it for UNLV. But there's nothing to say that this can't be one of those nights that they can win the game because they shoot so well. I think that's the only way they win. If you say 11 or 12 threes, I think it might need to be 15 or 16 threes because San Diego State defensively, they're excellent again. They're ninth in the country in adjusted defense this year. They defend the rim well, they force turnovers, they're an excellent defensive rebounding team, right? 
The only thing that's maybe a problem for San Diego State is they give up a lot of threes. Now, some of that's because you can't get any other shot against San Diego State, so you just have to take a three-pointer before the shot clock expires. But that could be the way UNLV wins. That's probably the only way UNLV has a path to victory is if they shoot, you know, 15 of 32 from three-point range in this game. If they do that, they absolutely can win this game. But that's about the only way that they can. I don't really see any other way that UNLV scores against San Diego State because they are not going to get to the rim. They don't get to the rim against bad teams. They're not getting to the rim against this team either. Well, uh... Someone's believing they can. I, I'll correct myself. Line was ten and a half yesterday. Nine and a half. Ton of oh, money going towards the rebels. Money. Big money towards the rebels. Next question. The Houston Rockets will host the Brooklyn Nets tonight. It is the first time James Harden will play in Houston since being traded. Tillman Fertitta said yesterday that the Rockets will retire James Harden's number thirteen jersey, uh, which to me. Like, that seems like a no-brainer, because isn't James Harden, like, the second best Rocket yeah. ever behind Hakeem? Yeah. Yeah. Right, right when they said it, I didn't even blink. I'm like, they should retire okay. him. He was Kenny yeah, he's Smith. one of the greatest players. Come on. Kenny Smith. He's one of the greatest players in, in the history Charles of the franchise. Charles Barkley. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> how long did Barkley Charles, play at Houston? How long did, was he there? <laughs> <laughs> Jared is naming great players that played <laughs> for, the like, end a of their season. careers. What, yeah. Didn't Clyde Drexler play in Houston? I at one believe he did. <laughs> <laughs> like, but like Harden won an MVP in Houston. I think it was three scoring titles in a row in Houston. Like to me, it's it's a no brainer. No, no, you retire yeah. Harden's jersey. Like yeah. he's again, Hakeem exists, but after Hakeem, what? Well, I mean, did Tracy McGrady have a better career in Houston? Did Yao? Like I don't know who would have had a better career besides yeah. Hakeem than James Harden. Yao was pretty important to the game. He was. Yeah, the the problem for Yao is what did he end up playing like 6 or 7 years in Houston? Yeah, he didn't his, really his get feet. a Yeah. yeah. Was didn't it get his a feet? full I career. It was his back. And it was probably oh, everything. Was He's feet. like yeah, not no, yeah. feet tall. He makes Shaq look small. Humans aren't supposed to be that big. So it's probably everything with Yao Ming. Man, you know that's a great question. Uh, Victor Oladipo turned down a two-year extension from the Houston Rockets. Uh, Adrian Wojnarowski reported that the Rockets offered him a two-year $45 million deal, which is the max they can offer right now during the offseason. They can offer more. Um, the Rockets, though, might trade him at the deadline with the Heat and Knicks listed as potential interested teams. Victor Oladipo might end up being the top player available at the trade deadline this year because you'd be getting a starting level potential all-star level shooting guards to make a playoff push so i'd be fascinated if the knicks or the heat would acquire him and if that would actually make a difference for those two teams in the playoffs he turned it down so i want to play for the hall of fame coach get me to south beach um oh god we talked we talked to uh jamison the other day jamison wasn't that surprised he turned it down um you know he's in the last year of a four-year 85 million dollar deal so he thought he wanted a longer deal uh it's yeah i mean you don't know what the pandemic... I mean, I, I don't want to keep going back to that, but I thought two years, 45, that's a lot of security. But he obviously, and he and his agent, obviously think he can do better in the open market well, as a free agent. Um, but uh, we asked James the other day, and I, I was a little surprised he turned it down, but he wasn't surprised at all. I mean, are you surprised at two years, 45? Um, I, I betting on himself and if, you know, in his mind, I guess, if he gets traded to a playoff team and has a big playoff series or two, 
then maybe he's garnering a lot more. I to me, I would guess it's more about the years than the actual dollars on that two-year forty-five. Right, that Oladipo, right. who who had a significant injury, missed what like 12, 13 months of basketball, might want a little bit more security in terms of a four or five-year deal. By the way, your Hall of Fame head coach Eric Spolstra is seventeen and eighteen this season. His team's been hurt. Seventeen and eighteen. One. He's behind the, great- the Knicks. Yeah. The yeah. great ones sometimes can't overcome a slew of injuries. Oh, I mean, my God. He's in the East. There's no good teams in the East. I mean, Pop even had a down season last yes. year. Like yeah. Thank you, Jared. You know, like, Thank you, you, Jared. Yeah. You can't be good all the time. <laughs> I'm out. Pop is in fifth place in the Western Conference, <laughs> and you probably can't name more than two of his players right now. Get out of here with these injuries. Is there anyone excuses. more important than DeMar DeRozan after him? Oh, my I, God. I, oh, I, I can name DeMar DeRozan and Becky Hammond. Be- <laughs> <laughs> uh, the AAA she baseball might season. legitimately be the second best player. Yes, that exactly. <laughs> That's true. The AAA baseball season will be delayed. It was expected to start in early April. Now it'll start in early May, which is the same time that Double A and Single A are scheduled to start. Uh, when I was out Monday, you guys talked to Don Logan. Did he yeah. mention this at all? He did not because I don't think it had become official on the statement-wise. But just an update, I did talk to Don yesterday for something else I'm doing for the paper, and I asked him about this, and it pretty much goes... You know, I think people forget, at the, even at the AAA level, these guys fly commercial. And you know they're in, in and out of airports. It's not like, hey, let's get to... It's not the Dodgers or Red Sox. Let's just get there. The plane will leave when we say it leaves. It'll be on a private tarmac. These guys are on Southwest. Here's your B-45. So mostly what Don said is this is a lot about that, safety and health protocols and making absolutely sure as much as they're on the road flying commercial and as much as they have to go where you know major leaguers don't, that everything's safe. So that's what he told me yesterday. It's all about safety and health. And I think they're a little bummed, especially at the ballpark downtown. They wanted to get that thing back open for downtown Summerlin and everything, but... Right now, they'll just start in May, and they'll go from there. I hope they start in May. I mean, you've got, like, you have an entire season of minor league baseball wiped out. They, you got to hope they actually do get their yeah. season in this year, yeah. or at least some semblance of a season, even if it ends up being, like, 100 games, because can you imagine two years, like, all like all baseball players not at the major league level go two years without playing? That's just, that seems oh, like a brutal. disaster. It's yeah, brutal. It seems Talk like about development. Nightmare. Yeah. How the Mar- how are the Mariners gonna like manipulate that service time? <laughs> Next question. Zion Williamson will not compete in the dunk contest. Uh, he turned down an offer. So did Alex Caruso and Anthony Edwards. Uh, I don't even know who's gonna be in the dunk contest, but I'm not interested because I wanted Zion to be in the dunk contest. I'm not interested because I don't think they should be doing any contest because they shouldn't even be having an all-star game. So if I'm Zion Williams, I'm like, why would I be doing that and, and, and expose myself even more and, and be around people? I mean, I I saw this. I'm like, oh, good for you. You probably made the best decision. I don't know who is um, in it. Let's see. Uh, already uh, bypassing um, Zach Levine, Aaron Gordon, and our UNLV guy Derek Jones have already bypassed. So... You're right. I, I have no clue who's in it. When, when Caruso and, and the headband's passing on it, I, I don't know who's going to be in this thing. On an eight-foot goal with a Nerf basketball, it's Jared <laughs> Justice. <laughs> He's got a broken rib, Tyler. He yeah. can't be in this can, thing. Can we not? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what would, no, no. It'll be, um. what was the guy who was sitting courtside and his uh, girlfriend got kicked out? Daddy Carlos. 
Daddy oh, Carlos Daddy will be Carlos. in the dunk contest. Daddy yes, Carlos yes. dunking on an eight-foot yes. rim, and everybody will Daddy be pumped. Carlos. It'll no, be he's, great. He's going to go up for it, and then all of a sudden, out of the corner, LeBron's going to come out of the locker room <laughs> and swat it. He's 17 rows up into an empty stadium. Perfect score. 50s all around. Man, you know, that's a great question. Lights FC will play in the USL Pacific Division. There will be eight teams in the Pacific Division. And the only reason this is in briefs today is because it's the only confirmation we have that Lights FC still exists on March 3rd. You're happy about this. Season ticket holder, you're excited. Listen, I was going to ask you about this. This whole art, this whole uh, report that they're going to be in LA and come in for games, does that... so? The name stays the same and nothing else changed. Have we even updated if that's really happening? I I have no update on it. Brett Lashbrook is supposed to come on this show, but Brett Lashbrook has not come on this show yet. Um, I don't know. I, I assume I mean, we've had we've had two different reports about it, so I assume it's real. And at this point, you got to hope it's real because they haven't hired a coach or signed any of their own players. So if it's not real, they're going to be in a lot of problems because the season starts soon. Can we book our soccer expert, Eric Wijnaldum, and get to the bottom of this? Eric Wijnaldum joins us later in the week on the Press Box. <laughs> All right, coming up next, uh, UNLV plays tonight, but we look ahead to the future and what TJ Otzelberger wants in his roster. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff. Be part of the conversation on the Finley Kia text line at 69187. Finley Kia, come see a Kia on West Sahara. Well, we've been looking forward to the offseason for UNLV basketball for a couple of weeks now. Expecting some roster turnover for TJ Otzelberger's team as next year they'll have to... Uh, do something good, make some sort of push to either the top of the conference or the NCAA tournament. But Otzelberger uh, talked to Mike Ramallah earlier in the week and gave this quote about uh, his roster and the inexperience of it. He said, you can go the quick fix route, but I think that's risky if you're trying to build long term. At the same time, I understand we need to get older, more mature, and more experienced players out there. One of the benefits of last year was that as a group of older guys, they had an understanding of how hard you have to play every possession, how physical it is, and how you have to be mentally ready for the long haul of the season. At this time last year, we were playing harder than anybody. So, if we look ahead to next season, right? This year they brought in six freshmen. Uh, they brought in a junior college transfer that hadn't played at the Division One level. How how much do you think Otzelberger should go the quick fix route versus balancing out building a program? Well, you've talked about it. I mean, I think there's certain positions you have to look at. Uh, they need a point guard, and we talked about the portal, and Dutcher talked about the portal, especially if it's a one-year transfer. You don't have to sit out. That's just going to be loaded with kids. You know, I don't know if you can completely revamp something with as many young players as he has, but you need to pick and choose certain spots that you have to go get better at. And I, you know, look, a lot of it comes down to who's coming back and who's not. Who do they want back and who do they not want back? I mean, you know, is Jenkins coming back? I, I still don't think anyone really believes Hamilton's coming back. I actually think Jong will come back. Um, so I guess before you answer that question, you, you probably need to know who's coming back and then kind of fill in what you need. But there's definitely positions here where no matter how many young guys he has, he has to go and upgrade at this point to have a better roster and to have a competitive roster. Um, I'm interested... Uh, let me ask you this. A lot of times I'll read his quotes and maybe we should do this and maybe we shouldn't do it in terms of reading through the lines and seeing what he's saying. Um, you know, 
it just you read that quote it's like all right obviously you don't think your kids play hard enough and and, oh, and yeah. if that and if, if that's the case though who who's to blame for that i i mean i i think sometimes it, a lot of things are said it's like okay yes that's on them they're college players they have to understand the level intensity at this level that they're at and what they need to do but you know i guess who's 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 inspiring them i i just i read that and i'm like that's kind of saying i don't have kids who play hard Right. And, uh, you know, he said that in different yeah. forms, if you read between the lines a couple of times this year. I mean, it's why did David Jenkins get benched? Maybe not because he wasn't playing hard, but because he wasn't showing the the leadership quality. There's a lot of intangibles that T.J. Otzelberger has sort of uh, alluded to throughout the season that he is not happy with what his team has given. And David Jenkins has been the, the best example of somebody that's ultimately been, you know, punished or benched because of that. Um, but what's and that's actually, to me, what's a little bit interesting about the idea of experience. Like, this year, David Jenkins got benched because he wasn't enough of a leader on the defensive end. Uh, Bryce Hamilton has actually been called out by Otzelberger at one point during the season. Those are two of their three most experienced players by, like, career games played at the Division One level. Meanwhile, Caleb Grill... And Devin Tillis have gotten praise for how they've played this season and how they've stepped up as leaders. Tillis is a true freshman. Caleb Grill is a sophomore who did play at Iowa State last year, but he's only in his second year of college basketball. So Otzelberger has praised some of the leadership of some of these younger players while questioning it for some of the older players. And you look at the idea of, you know, getting, you know, more experienced guys and going the quick fix route. To me, the idea of experience is kind of overblown. Brian Dutcher brought it up too. You need good players, right? If you have a guy like Mbake Zhang is a good example. Zhang's a fine player at the Mountain West level. He's been here for a long time. He's got plenty of experience. You probably need a center better than Mbake Zhang if you're mm -hmm. going to make a run at the NCAA tournament. No matter how much experience he has, he still has limitations on offense. He's still not going to be a dominant you know, big guy in the Mountain West. So regardless of how much experience guys have, you got to be good at the sport. you got to be good at basketball, and just playing more bad basketball isn't going to somehow make you better in the future. No, exactly. So, you know, I mean, I think we've said it often, the roster needs to be real built. I mean, let me ask you, when, when you bring in this many freshmen, you have this many guys, I mean, look, it's just the reality of college basketball. Some kids are just broomed. You just got to say it's not working out, and you got to move on. Or, you know, the, the conversation usually goes at, like, look, I'm not going to take your scholarship away. You're never playing here again. I mean, it's it's brutal. It's sad, but that's what happens. Not not at UNLV. I mean, all across college basketball. Those conversations in the offseason happen everywhere in this country. I don't know, except, and even maybe Gonzaga, even a team like that with a guy who's 12 for 13th. Hey, you know what? You're probably never going to play here. So I he might have those kind of conversations, but let me ask you that. How many of those can he have? Like, how much can you really rebuild this thing? Do, are you saying tear it up completely? Or do you think he just has to make some moves at certain spots and really hope there's someone in the portal who can fill a major, major spot? Well, ideally, ideally, UNLV's roster next year would have two players on it that are better than Bryce Hamilton. Like, mm -hmm. that, to me, is where you would start. And preferably, one of those would be a point guard. Ideally, you'd have two players better than Bryce Hamilton. So... If you look at next season, to me, that's the highest priority. If those guys exist, you're doing whatever it takes. Anybody on the roster can go if you're getting two guys that are better than Bryce Hamilton. After that, I mean, Caleb Grill, Devin Tillis, Nick Blake, like those guys seem to be solid foundational pieces that are freshman or sophomore 
that should be back next year and could be good players for this team for a few years, right? There's some good pieces, but what do you do with Donovan Yap and Jalen Martinez and Isaac Lindsay and Reese Brown, who have either not played at all, or in Reese Brown's case, he's played a few minutes when they've gotten in foul trouble. Like, what do you do with those players? Are, you know, obviously Otzelberger has evaluated those players and decided they're not good enough to play significant minutes now, but right. does he believe, hey, Jalen Martinez can be a solid center in year two, year three, year four at UNLV, or does he just say, no, you're not good enough to play now and it's not going to change in the future? So I, I'm curious to see how he evaluates guys that haven't played, because the ones that have played, we, you know, we can make a pretty you know. good evaluation yeah. on, on whether yeah. or not you know, you need to do better than that. So to me, the priority is find two players better than Bryce Hamilton. If that means you lose Bryce Hamilton, you lose David Jenkins because of it, that's fine as long as you actually land the players that are better than Bryce Hamilton and David Jenkins. I personally have no problem if the roster is completely blown up for next season. No problem whatsoever because this roster is not good enough. I think Otzelberger knows that, and I think Otzelberger, looking back on it, would say, you know, they made a mistake and they overvalued how good David Jenkins would be and honestly how good Bryce Hamilton would be this year. And if you need to blow up a bad team, you blow up a bad team. As as nice as continuity is, you don't want to continue to be bad with the same players. Yeah, and, and I guess when uh, you said two be- best or two better players than Bryce Hamilton, uh, is you're feeling two better players, but he's leaving anyway. I mean, if he sticks around and he's your third best option, you've got the NCAA tournament. Yeah, you're going to the NCAA tournament if Bryce Hamilton's your third option. So if if he leaves and you've got two better than him, you should still be pushing for the NCAA tournament if you truly have two guys better than Bryce Hamilton. So if he stays or goes, I think if you're able to land that, and again, this is like a massive if. This is an if that they probably won't do. They probably won't find two players better than Bryce Hamilton in the transfer portal. That's a massive question mark. Oh, they'll that's, probably be, that's yeah, yeah. They'll probably be lucky be to find one player better than Bryce Hamilton yeah. in the transfer portal. But if you can yeah. get one and Hamilton stays and that, that one's a really good point guard, then you've probably got a solid team that has a good chance. But, yeah, if you're able to find two, land two, Hamilton coming back at that point's just just a bonus, right? He's just It's just yeah. extra if he's the third best player on the team. I mean, I, I think he has to make a lot of moves like you do. Um, I, you know, everyone likes Marvin Coleman as a kid, but you, you and uh, we all know what happened with Zayon Collins, and that, that's going to hurt this program for a few years, if not more, unless they can find that point guard. That That's the one position I'll be most interested in is can you upgrade there? I mean, I, I think obviously they have to upgrade, but how good can you really get? And we heard Dutcher, it's not easy, especially this is interesting. I didn't realize this. I don't know if you knew this. I didn't realize there's no visits till May. That that makes it even harder for a school like UNLV or a Mountain West school. If you can't at least get them on campus, show them what you have, and it's all on the phone, and you're comparing yourself, and you're trying to beat a Power 5 school, that's going to make it difficult because a lot of these kids make decisions fast because, you know, they want to make sure there's something out there for them in the portal. They want to make sure there's another place to go. I didn't realize there were no visits till May. That That's going to make it difficult. Oh, just get them on the Zoom. Just walk them yes. around. Oh, just the walk them around on Zoom. What? Just what? hold your laptop See, up to the facility. What if what if they employ Mike Gramala to take that golf cart and like a <laughs> and like a, 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 a iPhone and they pay Gramala to just roll around to each facility and say, okay, this this is where you practice now. And he's on that golf cart and it, and here's a guy who'll even drive you around the the, the campus. It'd be awesome. And as oh. soon as they see him, like the tweets of his food. They're going to be like, I don't want that guy anywhere near me. 
Oh, this oh. is not what you're getting at the at the food table. We're we're much better here at UNLV. The pandemic killed off Mike Grimala's take a lap segment. <laughs> yes, yes. Driving golf carts around oh. Thomas and Mac. Oh, what Darn a terrible it. pandemic. All right. Coming up next, Jason Fitz joins the show. Back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Grady and Tyler Bischoff. Derek Carr should have been MVP of the league. No doubt about it. He is the best quarterback in football. You know what the problem with that is? Is it's not, you know, it's not, uh, it's apple and oranges. It's not the same thing. So you absolutely can make the statement that you think Derek Carr had a good year and not feel bad about saying you should call on Deshaun Watson. Like, I don't know why they're always linked together. Like, nope. you know what I mean? It's like, it's one of those things where Derek Carr, I thought had a good season. Obviously, they won eight games. They weren't good enough. But to me, and I don't know what you think, Tyler, like, to me, that has nothing to do with Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson. It's just that if you have a chance to get a top five quarterback, you try to get him. It doesn't mean that you think Derek Carr is bad. It doesn't mean you think he had a bad season. It's just like, yeah, these guys might be available. Shouldn't we at least call? Ed. Yeah. Name a better I mean, eight-win quarterback. I mean, you can't I don't do know, I just, it. You can't everyone, do it. Everyone's been linking them together in all of this, and I don't think it. I don't think one thing has to do with the other. I don't. I don't. I don't know why they're linked together in this. No, you can. You can absolutely uh, acknowledge that Derek Carr had a very good season. That Derek Carr was a top ten quarterback. Yeah, and also think <laughs> that. You should go try to get Russell Wilson yes. or Deshaun Watson. There's not a better eight-win quarterback in the league. Um, I think, didn't Kyler Murray win eight games last year? Okay, there might be one, <laughs> maybe two better eight-win, but it, right, he's top here five. Go. Here we go. There are three teams that went eight and eight last year. The Raiders, okay. the Cardinals, and the Bears. We can confidently say yes. Derek Carr is yes. better than Mitch Trubisky and yeah, Nick Foles. But has Mitch Trubisky really given been given a shot? Oh God! What if? What if um, Mitch Trubisky had Nick Foles on his shoulder in a trench coat? Would they be better than Derek Carr as an eight and eight quarterback? I still say no. And now there's now there's the now there's the just the argument of either Derek Carr or Kyler Murray. <laughs> so who do you pick there? You have to pick one for well, I'm not gonna say the next several years because one's a lot younger, but you have to pick one for next season. Who do you want? Um, if if we're not considering salary cap, I'll probably take Derek Carr. Yeah. Um, if we are considering salary cap, because Kyler Murray's still on his rookie contract, I'm taking Kyler Murray because he's right. much cheaper. Um yeah. I'd have to say I think his uh cap hit's gonna be like seven or eight million next season. So yeah. that's uh you, you know, you get to spend you can, okay, shut up, it. Jared has imaging. Aaron Rodgers is unimpressed with him, but we aren't. It's time for our weekly visit with ESPN's Jason Fitz. Oh, wow. Jason, how are yeah. you? Imaging, you imaging. I, I, I feel fancy now. I feel like we all grown up or something. I don't know what just happened there, but, you know, I, I'll take that all day long. And, you know, I, I like this. We're fueling the beef with Aaron Rodgers. You know, just remember yeah. if ever he signs with the Raiders. I never said it. It was somebody else. Like, that's the only thing I ask. All right, Jason. Important question for you. Is the media too mean to Derek Carr? Uh, No. In fact, I think. Raiders fans are too mean to Derek Carr. Just being, just being blunt. Like, the number of guys that, like, the, that I've talked to in Bristol that look at Derek Carr and they're like, yeah, he's, he's a good quarterback. I mean, 
I've heard Lewis Riddick say it. I've heard Marcus Spears say it. Like, I, I talked to Field Gates and Dan Orlovsky about it. I feel like every week during the season, Dan Graziano has told me a million times, like, I look across the board at our experts, and uh, yes, fine, if we want to take first take into the equation, I still, I, I will openly question how many Derek Carr games that Max Kellerman's really studied, and I'd say that if Max was sitting here. So, you know, frankly, I think that, they, yes, Max at times has been hard, but if you really look at the overwhelming ESPN landscape, most of the people there are actually questioning why Raiders fans have such a beef with Derek Carr. Mina Kimes, like the number of times that she texted me and said, why does your fan base hate your quarterback? And I don't get it either. Like, it's, it's, it's an alarming thing to me that we've become so convinced that this guy doesn't have it factor, and we suddenly feel like by going into the draft, we'll get somebody like, you know, at the 18th pick in the draft, 17th pick in the draft, that's going to be a better quarterback than Derek Carr. It's just absolutely stupid to me. And and before you came on, and I was telling this to Tyler, before you came on, because I, I don't think the media has been negative towards him uh, at all, uh, to the level of some do, I just don't know why everyone considers it the same thing and to loop him in with Deshaun Watson and, and Russell Wilson. I think they're different things. You can still say he's a top-10 quarterback, but if you think those guys are available, I also don't think it's a wrong thing for Mike Mayock to p- at least pick up the phone for one conversation, or as Tyler said, a voicemail to Houston and say, hey, what's it going to take? Now, it might last two seconds, but don't you have to make that call? And what does it have to do with Derek Carr? No, You are a 1,000% right about that. There are one or two teams in the NFL that shouldn't call Houston. Everybody else should. And that's partially because Deshaun is spectacular. It's partially because Deshaun is 24 partially because Deshaun is the new type of quarterback in the NFL. Like, he can make plays off schedule. So, you know, I, I, Deshaun Watson is, is one of the five best quarterbacks in the NFL and uh, one of the best players in the NFL. So you have the opportunity to get Deshaun, you do it. And there's no I, – I always used to say this. Like, when I was touring in music, there were certain times that I would walk into a studio session. There's a guy named Stuart Duncan that's, that's played on thousands of records that everybody's heard. And Stuart Duncan is a legend fiddle player. And there are times that I walk into a room to play a session – and I see that they'd hired Stewart instead. And those are one of those moments where you walk in and you say, you know what, I'm pretty damn good at what I do, but I'm just going to pack my stuff up and leave because Stewart's here. Like, and that, that's where I am with Derek Carr. Like, it's okay to say, hey, we've got a guy that when he's on is a top you know, 12 quarterback in the NFL, which is good enough in my mind to win a Super Bowl. And by the way, he's not as good as Deshaun Watson. Cool. Like, both things can be absolutely yeah. true. I mean, that, that, it, it's a really simple thing that's been overcomplicated. Wait a minute. Can we go back to this? You walking in and seeing a better fiddle player? Like they hired two people to do the same job. What's happening here? Yeah. Well, sometimes that happens where you walk in and like you know it, you're you've been hired to do this and like it, maybe I play a lot of different instruments, so maybe I'm playing something else. And I also do like big orchestral arrangements, so sometimes I'm stacking strings. And they like so I'd be like I'm doing a full orchestra on this, and then Stuart will walk in and do the fiddle parts, and I'd be like, Are you kidding? Like I'm I'm. You know, I'm accomplished in this area. But then you'd look over and say, oh, it's Stuart. I, I get it. You know, Stuart's a, he's a legend. He's a legend. Well, I asked these guys last week. Jared said yes. Tyler said no. So my question predicates on, did you see Mark Wahlberg in, in Rockstar? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Okay, You're okay. going back right. to this okay. reference so, again? I, well, I want, to ask, I want to ask you this about the band, Perry. So the, the part where Wahlberg oh, comes in after the long break and he's written his own songs and the lead guy goes, eh, I write the songs around here. Just sing what I have. Did you ever come off a break with a bad parent and say, Fell, you know, everyone, I've got a lot of things, and then they said, eh, just play the fiddle? No, 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 no. I, I will right. give them a, a, a million times credit, but I will say a lot of rock bands work that way. There's a lot of lead singers that are very, in rock bands particularly, they're like, nope, that's what I do because I sing and I have full creative control of things. Luckily, 
you know, it happened to be that Kimberly Perry wrote most of the stuff, you know, mm-hmm. and, and a lot of it with the brothers, but they were always open to, uh, uh, they were always open to collaboration for sure. Not everybody is, but yeah, the, the, uh, they always were. This damn movie reference you keep going to. Uh... <laughs> I love that movie. I think it's completely underrated. It had Jennifer Aniston in it. Come on. <laughs> There's if a we're more talk modern about random movie references like this that involve music. I'm just going to get this off my chest. That not that anybody but me cares about this, but if you've ever seen the movie The Night before, there's the scene where Miley Cyrus is at the big ball and she's singing Wrecking Ball, and Joseph Gordon-Levitt comes up on stage oh. to sing it with her. My my issue with this is the entire like he never met her, didn't know her name. He walks up on stage, and for anybody that knows any music, the key changes when he starts to sing. And I'm looking around thinking. What, who communicated that? Like, did the keyboard player just suddenly know and tell the whole band that they were going to play it in a totally different key without anybody talking to Joseph Gordon-Levitt first? And then, like, Miley was cool to adjust to that? Like, how did that happen? And my last music beef would be, uh, you know, for anything we want to say about the weekend halftime show, like, they had actors up there holding violins. There are a lot of out-of-work musicians. You couldn't get somebody that actually plays the violin to like fake play the violin on the Super Bowl halftime show and send that money to a musician. I'm done venting now. <laughs> no, no, go ahead. Do you have yeah, anything no, else? This is Do you better. have anything this else you're angry about star. that you haven't gotten a chance to get off your chest? Uh, I mean, the Raiders draft for the last couple of years. I mean, it is, look, look <laughs> fine. I'm just going to take this moment. And I'm going to speak to Mike Mayock directly. And this may you know, get me in trouble someday. But here's the thing, Mike. Every year I get to host the digital NFL draft broadcast for ESPN. And every year, they've got a camera right in my face. And a couple of years ago, when it was Cleve Farrell, I, like, look, I, they, they panned right in on my face. And so I knew, like, I'm used to the trades down. But I have been made fun of in the room every single year for the draft pick. <laughs> Mike Golick Jr., and he has apologized since. But Mike Golick Jr. outwardly laughed at me when Colton Miller was the pick in the first round and we're hosting a draft pick together because it was an unexpected pick. Mike, just make my job easy this year when I'm hosting that show. Like, Get a superstar that everybody looks at me and says, wow, man, that's a good pick. Not, not somebody that has to be justified as from a good program or has championship <laughs> culture or understands what it means to win at the highest level or has really shown us how talented he No, I want somebody there, but he says, oh, wow, thanks. So that's my last piece. But Mayock, Jer- help me out this year. Jer- Jared, please save that clip so when I'm on the Mayock Zoom and they ask me my question, I'm just going to play that. Because <laughs> Mayock's having a well, Mayock's having a Zoom press conference today, so please just hold that. Can I play I mean, Jason his like how Mayock evaluates his players? Yes, this is the most yes. important thing Mike Mayock yes. looks for. This is awesome. He's checking all the boxes, Michael. Yeah, he he really is. Look at that big oh. bubble butt. That's that's a power generator. Those that thighs, quads, and the bubble butt. Offensive linemen love that. Feet. Size, quad, and the bubble butt. You know, he's not wrong, though. Like, I, I need that to, to play for Mike Oler Jr. I, I, I do. Uh, I have another I would, cut of him talking about bubble butts. He loves bubble butts. This, this, is, this is a thing at this point. I, I don't know. I do think for, for all Raiders fans, I, I think, one, you know, we've started to deep, deep dive into the draft stuff. I'll say this. There's no combine coming up. There's no opportunity to get the usual sort of one-on-ones that, that they want. It's a limited opportunity. And the combine was never really about the speed. It's about the interviews and the medical exams and all that. I'm just saying this is the strangest year we'll ever see in draft history because the limitations towards taking anybody uh, and, and what you can get with them beforehand. So if I ran an NFL team, I'd trade that pick. I, I mean, as much as everybody's talking about trade down, I think everybody in the NFL wants to trade down. 
because why would you take a roll of the dice? It's already a roll of the dice in the draft. But this year, particularly, you got players that have opted out that haven't played in a year. You have no idea where they are in fitness. You have no idea where they are in their game readiness. You have no idea what impact and growth has happened in the last year. Like, they are running blind. And some people are going to get it right. Some people are going to get it wrong. And nobody's going to admit that it was luck all the way. So if I ran the Raiders and I'd trade out of the first round no matter what, if I could get any sort of a reasonable value, just to wait till next year when things are normal. As long as you draft bubble butts, everything will be okay. He's Jason a bubble, Fitz. A bubble butt that everybody loves. I want a bubble <laughs> butt that everybody loves. I want the bubble butt. <laughs> Thanks, uh, Jason. Thanks, Jason. No bubble butts from Clemson or Alabama. Uh, that's the only place that produces bubble butts. Come on. <laughs> Get it together. They have the best bubble butts. That's why they keep taking them. All right, coming up next, our sharp one again. And Major League Soccer lost an expansion team over the weekend. It's time to find the sharp. Brought to you by PropSwap, where smart sports bettors buy and sell sports bets. Go to PropSwap.com today and find the very best odds. All right, Sean is back. We had Illinois plus eight and a half. They won outright against Michigan. Sean, where are you going today? What's up, fellas? Good morning. We'll, uh, we'll see the college team today, and let's rock and roll with San Diego State over UNLV today. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. So, San Diego State, uh, nine and a half. So, we got San Diego State minus nine and a half today against UNLV. Uh, so, we got you in, Sean. You're going for, what does this be, five in a row if you get this one. Good luck. Thanks, right Sean. On. Appreciate it. Oh, and you right. this a uh, game right here on ESPN Las Vegas. <laughs> It's just like Family Feud. If you win five in a row, you drive away in a new car. We don't have those available. We definitely do not what have a car. Family Feud are you watching? <laughs> well, they're giving away cars. Yeah, you got to win five straight, though. You got to win five straight games. Yeah, where you been, Jared? You win five days in a row on Family yeah, Feud. You, you, you get you a win, car. You get a car. You get a car. Is it still hosted by Louie Anderson? Oh, no. Steve Harvey. Steve Harvey comes out every day. He goes, I'm your man, Steve Harvey. Oh, no. Then, okay. I haven't watched Family Feud in a while. <laughs> I like fast money in the end. We always try to pretend if we can do it. But LaMelo Ball, <laughs> right, guys? Well, I see, I, I'm see. i seeing a lot of clips of him every day because he's so good now. And, you know, and, uh, Stephen A. yesterday said LaMelo Ball is who we told, uh, who we were told Lonzo was. Uh, but <laughs> LaMelo's good, man. LaMelo's an incredible yeah. passer. I didn't I didn't think I, – I'll, I will say this. I had no idea he would be this good. Like I said, uh He's not that good. I, you know, he played in the whole weird Europe thing with the guy who sold meat out of the back of his car. And, you know, he's all hype. And then you watch him like, that guy's pretty good. So everyone should go play for the guy that sells meat out of the Yes. Car. Yes. I think saying. that's the lesson. Yes. That, don't go to college. Go to Lithuania and play <laughs> yes. for the guy selling meat out of the back. Yes. Just, don't, just exactly. don't buy or eat the meat. Just play right. for that guy. Just play for him. I, I will say don't go to college is actually, as of right now, probably good advice. <laughs> Jared is not just speaking to basketball players. I'm, I, I, kids, kids who are listening, don't go to college. Uh, good advice from Jared Justice. Yes. Um, You'll so, wind up just in debt. So, uh, over the weekend, it actually happened Friday night, the good Friday night news dump. Uh, Sacramento, or what would have been the Sacramento MLS team, their would-be owner, pulled out of the expansion franchise that was supposed to be going to Sacramento. Uh, ESPN reported that the stadium cost and infrastructure cost around the stadium in Sacramento rose by $120 million. 
and Ron Burkle, who would have been the owner and is a part owner of the Penguins, basically backed out saying that he couldn't afford it and that there weren't enough uh, partners coming on board to help him pay for this. So Major League Soccer thought they were getting Sacramento to be uh, one of three teams coming into the league over the next couple of years to get to 30. But now Sacramento is out because an owner said, nope, I don't have enough money to do this. Uh, I know where you're going with this, but I haven't heard of Seth Klarman in months. Uh, so I know you're going down the road of, could this be Las Vegas's team? I think the more important answer is where's Seth Klarman? Yeah. So the Las Vegas angle of this, haven't we been wondering where Seth Klarman is since Seth (laughs) Klarman announced that Seth Klarman might be interested in revamping downtown? Yes. Yes. No one has ever seen Seth Klarman. He might, (laughs) he might not be real. He's Kaiser Sose. He has a Wikipedia page, but he might not be. He has a bubble butt. Oh God. So, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Major League Soccer, they, they're at tw- they'll be at 27 this year. Charlotte, St. Louis, and Sacramento were supposed to get them to 30 over the next couple of years. Presumably there's an open spot there to get to 30, but Major League Soccer's never really appeared to be worried about having even numbers. Like they seem they seem like they'd be just fine if they had 29 teams for a while. But if they do decide, hey, let's get another team in here and place a Sacramento and get to a nice round number of 30 then, yeah, possibly Las Vegas has a better chance to sneak in. But again, the problem, as you said, is Seth Klarman. Seth Klarman is the billionaire who is supposed to be getting a deal done with the city of Las Vegas where he would get uh, a bunch of land around Cashman Field. And as a part of that deal, he would acquire Lights FC and he would build a soccer-specific stadium to try to get an MLS team to Las Vegas. The problem is... We haven't heard anything about this in like a year now. It's like there hasn't been any positive update on this potential deal in a very, very long time. So Seth Klarman, Lights FC, downtown Las Vegas, does that end up happening? No idea. Now it is conceivable another ownership group could come in and try to build a stadium somewhere else. Henderson will probably give them money. So it is possible there's a a different ownership group that could try to get – a major league soccer team. It's not just Klarman that can do it, but Klarman would seem to be the best option. We just haven't heard anything about that deal in a very, very long time. I think your best options are one Henderson, two Mark Davis, and three Klarman. (laughs) Davis might be involved in this also. When you Google Seth Klarman, the most recent uh, thing I can find about him is from August 31st, 2020, where a bunch of his investors have left his hedge fund. Oh, that doesn't sound good. That doesn't sound good. You know what does sound good for me right now? Uh, Jimmy John's, because yeah, I don't think I Man, I don't think Man City's ever going to lose again. So oh, I mean, it, this, this thing might. Uh, I mean, it's 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 embarrassing how good they are at this point. Ed, okay, you do understand our bet <laughs> is only about the Champions League. Yes. So the fact I know, that Man, but, but, Man City well, hasn't lost in the Premier League in like well, two months. That yes. does nothing for you. That does no. not help you at no. all in this bet. You're wrong because 99.9 percent of the time I agree with you about momentum, and this one, you know, 0.1 percent <laughs> of the time I'm going to agree. They're going to carry it over and win it, and I'll have Jimmy Johns. When Jimmy Johns is on the line, <laughs> momentum is suddenly real. Right? Yes, wait, yes, wait, wait, Ed, yes. Ed, you get a free lunch, and you're going with Jimmy Johns. Yes, yes. I don't put you guys out. I'm your friend. I don't want you. I'm not going to put oh, you I'm out. I'm not paying. I'm not doing anything. No, no. <laughs> I'm saying put Tyler out. Uh, 
Gotta be, it's the pandemic lunch, Jared. It's gotta be delivered to the house. I can't go anywhere. And they don't play in the Champions League until March 16th. Oh, against, that's nothing. Yeah, against Munch and Gladback, who they have a 2 nothing lead after the first leg. Yeah. So yeah. all everything between now and then, irrelevant. Does not matter to the bet <laughs> one bit. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that they won yesterday 4-1. to one. It doesn't matter that they haven't lost. When's the last time they lost? Uh, November 21st is the last time Ooh. Manchester City lost a game. My goodness. But none of that matters because they're going to get knocked good. out of the Champions League. I'm feeling good. Jared's Momentum. Momentum. It exists. <laughs>